Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So what a week. Notable for many different reasons, from the split in captaincy, which is brilliantly delightful for many, but horribly brutal for the minority. Guess which one I am. We come back together to discuss what we do now, effectively, as we enter the Salah meta. We are Who Got the Assist. I'm Tom at WGCA underscore FPL. My co-host, who's back this week, is Anthony at FPL Stag. The lead code is 2IP43T. And we're also on video. You'll never place the audio, of course, and we'll say this every week. But if you do want to see us instead of watch us, you can find us on YouTube. Now, this week, you'll see that we've got a guest. We're joined by a wise and silver fox, in fact, in the guise of a lovely man that is FPL Matthew, at FPL Matthew on Twitter, one of the best FPL managers in the business, actually. Thanks for joining us today, Matthew. Hi, Tom. Hi, Stag. Nice to be here. Thanks very much for coming on, Matthew. It's great to have you, and it's good to be back myself as well. Unfortunately, with sound that isn't quite as good as I'm used to, I'm still down home at the moment, so I'm far away from my microphone, which is in Dublin. But anyway, we'll, we'll get on with the actual show itself. With Game Week 9, it was a week of very fine margins. Of course, with the captaincy especially, that was apparent. But it was also the case with a few midfielders too. Uh, we'll be leaning on Matthew's experience here. In the upper ranks, he's had three top 500 ranks and eight top 10K ranks. So plenty of expertise to lean on in the upper ranks to maybe refine our thinking about how to stop these tragedy comedy game weeks hitting us. Uh, both myself and Tom have had one each so far this very short season. So hopefully uh, Matthew will be able to help us through that and help Tom through this, what is going to be a, akin to a therapy session. Uh, we had Matthew booked for weeks ago, though. Uh, so this wasn't just Tom drafting in somebody to help him through this. <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to kick off that therapy session straight away with the Game of Reviews. And I believe that the first of us, because we tend to go in order of success, is Matthew. Yeah, so it was a, a good good week for me and a continuation of a, a good start to the season, unlike last season. Um, so 104 points. When um, the Chelsea game finished, you know, being 7-0 and my Chelsea coverage was the Christiansen, who, who didn't even play. I had uh, feared for the my rank, to be honest. But then um, Phil Foden exploded, 
So that was good. I brought him in the week before. Antonio uh, added to it. And then uh, and Liveramento scored, obviously, who was in my team. And then, obviously, uh, Salah, captain at the end and with, with Alexander-Arnold. Um, the only downside, I suppose, is I've got Dennis there with his 12 points on the bench, whereas Saar with his, his not blanket in my team. But I was never going to play Dennis, so I can't really sort of think, you know, I was unlucky there. Yeah, it's a, so, yeah. It's a really good week, Matthew. Like it's, um, where are you at now overall, just to give people an idea of how um, you're doing? Just inside the top 25K, which is I think is you know, it's possibly one of the best seasons I've probably had for, at this point of the season pretty fantastic yeah. yeah you're you're well set up yeah, um, yeah, yeah you're really really well set up there last season yeah. i was probably about four million at this point so it's a completely, <laughs> completely different experience this time yeah so. um absolutely um i guess we'll, we'll move things on to my one there tom and i think what you'll basically see is that i had a week which could you know quite conceivably have been like matthews only that i was kind of missing that next big score so i did have the sala captaincy i did have rudiger and livramento uh, at the back and then you see this is this is kind of where mine gets a little bit complex my 89 points came uh thanks with a minus eight included so 81 points in total i'd sold lukaku Werner, and ben rama so i brought in Werner for the previous game week to join lukaku kind of basically targeting the norwich fixture then when they were both injured i think i got a little bit annoyed and petulant if i'll be honest with you and i just got rid of both of them and decided not to bring another chelsea player in even though I had seen the Havertz stealth online, even though I wasn't on the pod last week. I was a bit ill. I didn't really like Havertz as an option. I did like Mount as an option in uh, a tweet that I had that did, you know, was seen by many. But at the same time, I didn't follow my own advice on that purely because I felt at most Mount might get two returns and two returns coming in the form of goals felt, you know, unlikely for him. Uh, So what I did was I ended up going chasing the higher returns and I really expected the United game to be a bloodbath I already had Salah and I decided to get Mane in to join um, him unlucky and yeah yeah the, the, the thought was correct at least there now I'm a tad annoyed with myself that really what my plan had been to do was to get Alexander Arnold in sooner rather than later and I didn't make any defensive transfers instead I went off kind of focused my funds forward or focused my transfers forward because of those two Chelsea players I was selling and Ben Rama who also went as well brought in Gabriel Jesus because I wanted to get something into that city attack even though the likes of Foden I wouldn't necessarily say Foden just but you know the likes of Foden were definitely enticing but I didn't decide to go for it I was like Jesus at least kind of seems like he's more solidly in that team in terms of expected minutes I'll go for him he has a you know a decently high ceiling for his price whatever and I wanted to get Tony in because I kind of felt like that was a problem I was going to have versus the template sooner rather than later with Brentford's fixtures continuing to be quite good but overall it's just I feel like I maybe should have trusted the kind of the, the process that I was moving towards a little bit and got in TAA that's the the real regret here not so much the mount stuff not so much you know not getting in a Foden type character and kind of getting into the woulda coulda shoulda zone too much with yeah, those but it did yeah. mean that even though I had Salah captained I actually ended up with like a, a very small red arrow uh, so 570 points now gives me an award of 796k I think I dropped something like 20 or 30k so you know it's a difference of one point but I guess it just shows you that I just 
I need that little bit more in my side. And I don't think I've made transfers that have set me up all that well. Um, for example, like Saka is becoming a very frustrating hold um, in my midfield. Rafinha is now injured just ahead of this Norwich game. I hope he makes it through to it. He doesn't feel like a great hold. Now I'm looking at Gabriel Jesus and it's kind of like, oh, that's just a problem. And of course, Mane is a bit of a problem too, but I was bringing him in as a punt, but I didn't expect to have this many other quote-unquote problems in my team. I feel like I've just compounded a few bad decisions with even worse decisions ahead of this game week and I think that's going to cost me down the line again but I kind of feel a bit bad to be kind of crying about my scores because we're moving on to Tom and this is a a slightly different zone yeah I I just felt so bad for you down there in the 800k sort of mark I I could just come and join you Anthony that's what I thought I'd do this week just in a display of comradeship no um, it was really bad really really bad get this out of the way 58 minus four, basically a massive negative swing from getting Havertz and then captaining him. I got him and Vardy. Vardy went up half-time injured and Havertz himself was hooked with no involvement in any of seven Chelsea's goals. It's a proper gut punch, to be honest. Like, It's very, very rare that I'm emotionally impacted by fantasy football. Really rare. Like Mostly I've done, oh, it's just fantasy football, but you know, this one was really tough to take, actually. Just I just had to disappear off Twitter and stuff over the weekend and just absorbed it. I've still kind of absorbed, kind of getting there, but yeah, it, it was not fun to watch, obviously. Um, why did I do it? Well, objectives were really combining, um, but I guess the Lukaku injury really made me think, well, Havertz is going to be Chelsea's number nine, and, and the Norwich game is the game to target. I was obviously right to target that game, but the outcome didn't happen, disastrously so. What I'm absorbing, I guess, is the, the ridiculous outcome that he was the only player, basically, to not get any returns in that game. The only, pretty much the only player. Even Ruben Loftus-Cheek got an assist off the bench. Um, so, I mean, that is ridiculous bad luck on a kind of a zoomed-out level, no matter how much I can be accused of throwing salt around. If you watch the game, he was absolutely a diabolical habits. But, hey, and I was not helped by being out for it. Like, it's one thing being in your own home, like, just having a terrible time. But I was out. I was out with Simon at FPO Analytic, who has the emotional range of a biscuit. I'm sure he won't, he won't mind me saying that. But, yeah, he was no help at all. He was basically <laughs> kicking, kicking me in the balls as I was like, on the floor. And uh, Nima, who tried to chew me up a bit, but yeah, it's, it's really tough dealing with that with people around you. Uh, literally this week, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, really. I think it's just a decision that was viable. Um, but the extent of that downside is just so harrowing. Like it started off with a double Chelsea no-show. I've had Christensen and like you, Matthew, and I had uh, Aspilicueta. Neither mm. of them showed up. And like there was kind of a, a cascade effect, effectively, of that move bringing in Havertz meant that I didn't captain Salah. It also meant that I would didn't get Dennis off the bench for his twelve points. Oh, you got you got Dennis there as well. Oh. Yeah, so he would have come in for me if I hadn't have made the move for Havertz. Um, and it's just so gutting, like the sliding door world where I'm sat here with a hundred k rank rise because I didn't get sucked into Havertz, or a parallel world indeed where Havertz was involved in two or three of those goals. It's just so close. Um, and that would mean the, the Salah have, uh, hatchet wasn't so bad. I guess on that, most people, I also have to do a podcast on this, where uh, last week I pretty much did say, well, Salah's a pretty decent captain, but at least I've got the algo thing to kind of uh, drop back on. But yeah, a 250k, sorry, 250% rank drop, 250k would have been nice, 250% rank drop. I think every year I have a game week where it all kind of feels like it will get away from me. I think Anthony was in game week three, and what's really galling is just that the extent of of the drop back. I mean, I think those are points I'm never going to make back on the likes of Matthew and Co. So, 
it, it's, I had a one thousand percent rank drop, Tom. Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> those those are points that you're not really going to make back, really. Um, that's what's really depressing about it. So, you know, habits. They've still got another two nice fixtures. Yeah, I know, but I've lost all I've lost all those points on you already. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no coming back from it, really. Like they say, you can't win FPL in the game week, but you can definitely lose it. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. I just don't, I don't think there's any kind of real uh, prospects of a, of a ridiculously high finish. I think there's a prospect of a decent, a decent finish, but um, yeah, it's a shame because it was a kind of steady upward progress, and now it's been. Um, it's mad, isn't it? How one really you know bad game we can like set you back so much. You know, it could take ten weeks to make that back. <laughs> I don't want to depress you anymore, but yeah, yeah, fine margins, as you say. I know, I know. Well, at least that kind of feeds nicely in just a bit into um, our discussion this week. But yeah, no, really depressing stuff. Objectives, Anthony. Did you? Well, I certainly did. But did you stick to them this week? Yes, I believe I did. So I did captain with the herd of the algorithms. You know, Salah was the main captain, I guess, this week. And I, I certainly went with that. And uh, I did that one. One of my objectives was to not be afraid to transfer out elite players if I felt they've dropped off. And I missed, obviously, last week's pod, unfortunately. Um, but in those two weeks, I have transferred out both Lukaku and Ronaldo. Of course, one of those was due to injury, so you could say that was a bit forced. But at the same time, I'm certainly managing to transfer out my elite players if I feel they've dropped out, because uh, I'm now down to just one premium player, having been very much on the premium and hoping it would work out for me. Uh, in terms of timing, don't make transfers late, late, late on a Friday night or early on a Saturday morning. I didn't do that this time around. I think I made the transfers on the Friday afternoon, but it was a Friday deadline I don't consider that late in this sense in that I was just waiting to get the the press conferences over with and things, but I did it that way. And then in terms of play style, I've set a max 10 hits in total. And I think now having gone through the first five games without touching a single hit, now I'm just starting to like reef through them as kind of frustration starts to mount. So now I've got three hits taken uh, so far. So suddenly I've kind of gone through what would have, you would have expected to be my quota for the first kind of quarter to third of the season. Yeah. So it's a bit concerning because I kind of <laughs> want to take more. Yeah, three more, <laughs> anyway, aren't they, as you slip yeah. down the table. So my objectives this week actually <laughs> clearly contributed to the outcome um, just because one, captaincy, do what Mikel's captain algorithm tells us to do every week. Well, he did pick habits. I did have Salah, of course, as well. But number two, in transfers in the 55th situation, take the hit. So last year, I did really well from um, taking those kind of uh, risky moves or at least kind of just taking the hit in the move. Otherwise, you just let, you'd have just left it. Um so as part of the 50 obviously that was bringing in Havertz. Captaincy, because Havertz was top of the list, then he became the captain. And who I was removing Lukaku for, number three, take a chance on four, buying bandwagoning players. Well, I mean, Vardy got a 0.2 million price rise within two days. Like, that's a bandwagoning player who was in form. Like, he hadn't blamed for absolutely ages. Of course, then went off. And uh, another thing I just really, I just heard the other day was that Brendan Rodgers said that Vardy had uh, felt something in the warm-up, so he probably shouldn't yeah. have played. So, oh, they've got Dennis off the bench. If yeah, Vardy that's crazy. Played, even more lulls, um, just to compound what a horrendous week it was. But, I mean, it's just a rare example of the perfect storm of all of the objectives lining up to make the moves obvious. Um um, do I kind of do hashtag trust the process or do I rethink these? I think I'm going to hashtag trust the process. Maybe it's some cause fallacy, but I mean, one bad outcome does not a season make or not make. So hopefully 
needs to all steer me in the right direction rather than wrong um, going forward. I suspect that's probably the last week until AFCON um, that the captaincy, for example, will cause a conflict and make things change. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what the hell happens after this with the likes of all those injured players who are coming onto the horizon for many of us um, after that game week. And finally, Matthew, I mean, um, obviously you've got a long and story history uh, in the game without blowing smoke up your backside. Um, but I mean, yeah. do you have any kind of objectives that you tend to follow in in, yeah. in, in general? Like I know you're quite a patient um, manager. The main thing I try and do is like just keep things simple I just think FPL is a, a simple game at, at its core, isn't it? You get, you know, one free transfer a week. You can do another one or two if you want. Pick eleven players and in, in your bench and pick a captain. You know, it's a lot. It's it's a lot more. The scoring system is quite simple. Uh, you know, it's a lot simpler than Sky Game, for example. It's a simple game. Just try and keep it simple. FPL feels a lot simpler when you're doing well. Somehow, you know, if you if you're doing well, it seems it seems to feel a lot. You an get easy on, game. You get on form, or at least yeah, you get in a rhythm, you, don't you? And you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to work out. You know, you get, yeah, you, know, you, don't, you don't doubt yourself, right? Yeah, but if you're doing bad, then you're sort of trying to chase it a bit more, and, and then it just goes worse sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, last year you mentioned earlier on that you you were at four million overall rank. I remember After reading seven when game weeks, I think it was. Yeah, seven, that yeah. was it. And I remember, I remember reading your kind of end of season sort of reflections. I can't remember if it was in the group or in one of your articles. And you said, you know, all I did was just play how I knew, and I didn't yeah. do anything else. I didn't alter my behaviour. Like, is that kind of thing that patience? Is that something that kind of just is a thin red line that goes for all seasons? Yeah, last season, I think. Yeah, like you said, about seven or eight game weeks in, I was like doing terribly. Um, so and it wasn't just that I was four million rank, overall rank as you think well it's early days kind of thing but when I looked at other people in our hub contributor league who were at the top they were like a hundred points ahead of me so I was already like you know hundred points behind people that I should be trying to compete with um, so yeah I think at that point I just thought well I can either try and you know become late riser and like play you know a lot more of a punchy game but I just thought it's just not my game. I'll probably just end up getting even worse and worse. So I just thought I'll just play, try and play exactly the same way as I normally do and just see where it, where it takes me. You know, if I end up a million, yeah. so be it. But I ended up, I think 28, 29,000 was it? Yeah, more, um, more, than, more than respectable by anyone's standards. But I know, interesting. I, I suppose we'll um, we'll get into that as well in a little bit in terms of the fine margin and stuff about you know, lessons from that season and how you kind of kept it all together. Let's move on to the mini league update. And obviously, it was a, a seismic week in the mini league. There's no getting around it. Obviously, there were massive scores everywhere. And from my count, only two members of the previous top ten retained their spots. And um, there's someone new on top though. It's Stephen Hamilton, Pep's bald. Yes, he is. From 143rd all the way up to first with a massive 131 points this game week. In second as well, um, Bantu Sai Oxymoron, Payola FC, 119 points, um, up from 46th to second. Um, in third, it's Robert Bob, <laughs> up from 80th to third, so 122 points this week. All of this means that Ryan Quinn, um, who has been our erstwhile leader for quite a long time, so he took a month's eight this week, actually. He brought in Son, Havertz and Jimenez. Um, he only got 95, only in inverted commas, goes down from fourth to first. 
In fifth, Sean McGarry. He's up from 99th all the way up to fifth. Wow, 125 points he got. Again, Captain Sadler, obviously. Uh, as did Stuart Heaton uh, from 153rd up to joint fifth with Sean. Wow, that's, that's, that's quite a jump, isn't it? It was one of those weeks. Um, in seventh, um, up from 82nd, it's Dean Simmons. Uh, salad for Dean, yeah. uh, 117 points for Dean this week. In eighth, uh, staying as they were, um, Worldwide Fantasy Club, um, 101 points. Captain Antonio this week. Um, so one of the rare ones didn't Captain Salah. And in joint ninth, um, and more jumpers, uh, Joseph Alvarez, 113 points, V for Vaza, and uh, Anthony Roberts, Rafinha Galada, who, was, who got 118 points and is in ninth, i.e. in the top 10, uh, from 116. So a week of massive movements and shakes. Speaking of movers and shakers, uh, let's move on to the market for Anthony. Um, what's been going on as a result um, of that tumultuous game week? It's funny. I think what we're really seeing in the market forces is a lot of reactions to what we saw in the previous game week more than anything. Certainly it doesn't strike sure me as... Are. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. strike me as a week where people are forward planning or anything like it. I guess what's interesting, if we just take this in isolation, though, is that you know, the Chelsea team that we've been watching for the last few weeks, we obviously would have... You would expect the likes of Lukaku to have been their primary scorers. But what we found is that anyone in there, well, let's say 10 outfield players are as likely to score as anyone else, it's felt like. And maybe this game week really kind of showed that yet again. Mount obviously chipping in with three and Chilwell getting another as well. Um, and that's continuing a fine run of scoring for Chilwell himself. So it's both Mount and Chilwell are the most transferred in players pretty much as a response of that, response to that. Mount 340k transfers in, Chilwell 295k transfers in. They're followed up by Phil Foden, 270k transfers in, two goals there, of course. Mo Salah, people are still getting him into their sides by 185k transfers in. Emil Smith-Rowe, 175k transfers in, so people starting to get him into their sides, as of course he had uh, another haul at the weekend. Jamie Vardy and He-Chan Huang follow, um, round out the most transferred in players. Vardy, 165k, and Huang, it's 145k. In terms of transfers out, we're seeing Lukaku being the most old player, about 325k transfers out. He's followed by Marcus Alonso, 280k transfers out. So we have two Chelsea players as the most transferred in and two Chelsea players as the most transferred out. Pogba, 215k transfers out. Ronaldo, 185k transfers out. And Bruno Fernandes, 125k transfers out. So three Manchester United players then following up the two Chelsea players being sold. Then the only other players with over 100k transfers out right now, Rafinha, Benrama, Ducouré and Vardy who, of course, picked up that injury. So in spite of being one of the most transferred in, he's also kind of in and amongst the most transferred out players. So I think if you were to really try and deduce what's going on here, you'll see that there's probably an awful lot of Alonso to Chilwell moves, given that Chilwell's the only defender really featuring in that most transferred in, and Alonso is obviously the second most transferred out. And then what we're seeing is an awful lot of the upper mid premiums coming in. So that's your mounts, your Foden's uh, coming in. And then we're seeing elite forwards being the primary sacrifice. Lukaku, of course, mostly, but Ronaldo too. Huang being the clearest alternative to those forwards um, with people starting to move their money into midfield again. Kind of the the period where people might have had two elite forwards and then big at the back is starting to change. And maybe we're moving towards a more classic FPL format where people have quite a bit of money in their midfields as well. Mm, lots of money sloshing around. Right, let's take a break there. We'll move on to the main topic just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're into the main topic now. Um, and I think it's actually a bit of an interesting one. It is uh, why are fine margins important in FPL? Uh, the importance of fine margins. 
we were thinking let's delve more deeply into the effects of that kind of salameta uh, we touched on this last week uh, with me and when karen was on uh, when anthony was uh, wasn't around um but we were thinking about you know should you captain salad all the time probably yes and um, so i guess that makes us need to touch on things like squad building and i guess maintenance advice as we seek to eke out those fine margins which can make all the difference as I said earlier on, nobody wants to be in this sort of weird netherworld I find myself in, where I feel like I've been staggered by a few punches. Like no one wants to be sitting feeling like I am. We all want those fine margins to move our way. But anyway, yeah, why are the fine margins of FPL so important? It's kind of an obviously answered question. But with this one, I think it's more about the journey um, rather than the obvious destination, which is that, yeah, they pretty much are everything. That's especially true, as just inferred, now that Salah is the captain to everybody. That kills off captaincy as the premier way to recover points from here until AFCON, I think. Lest those fire starters with cojones to go outside that kind of salad orthodoxy we see. Those gains can get narrower, finer, and probably they're going to be all about managerial skill. And of course, Matthew's here. And who better to natter about this kind of thing? Give strategic advice uh, than a manager like Matthew with that brilliant record using our usual fishing analogy. Um, we're not giving you a fish here, um, but instead we're consulting a fishing rod expert to refine our rods so we're able to catch better fish going forward. I'm saying rod too much. Let's move on. Um, starting with Matthew, I mean, now that we're in this sort of strange scenario where we've got one player who's going to be the discernible captain going forward what sort of player do you think will be the most important sort of player now where will the gains be seen well the first thing that um springs to mind when you say that is if you know if we are sort of agreed that you know we can captain Salah every week then you know does that point more towards sort of spreading the rest of your money around the squad and just you know getting the best you know value options you can all over the pitch because you know if that's the case you don't need another premium you know normally there'll be you you know you'll want a couple of premium slots because there's other ones you want to like take it in and out but if you know you could just decide no, i just want salad it, it almost like going from like the premium thing of, of a few weeks ago so now can you say that you just need one premium and you know that you know then you just get you know the best players and, and don't try and fit in another premium i mean i don't know what what do you think about that this was definitely the primary thing that stuck out to me when i was thinking about this particular question like the premium it had one good week in the end uh and yeah. it's, it's definitely in the gutter oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah in, in the gutter perhaps even worse than that the duomium if we were to call it that, it's imperiled massively. Obviously, the Lukaku injury is part of that. We'd have definitely seen the Duomium being the default right now had Lukaku not picked up his injury when he did. But certainly, Cristiano Ronaldo, as it stands, is not going to be tempting people. So it's amazing how quickly that's changed. So yeah, we're kind of moving towards the monomium. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, the, just literally just having a, a yeah, monolithic so you, premium. Union, I think, I think is the way you put it before. Or just the, the monolithic Salah in midfield. And that kind of just makes things pretty easy for us to go from there. Uh, and so I think, Matthew, I'd be in kind of agreement with you that it does seem like spreading money around the team. And it's not just about big at the back now, though. I think what we're starting to see more and more in these last few weeks is that those mid and upper mid price midfielders are coming into things a little bit more Foden for example is one of those his expected minutes has now ticked up nicely just last five game weeks he's pretty much started all the time and which is really helpful for him and then um, 
likes of Son has been ticking away nicely in terms of points over the last few weeks. Mount, obviously, this week is kind of a success story, but I'm not sure if any of us would necessarily be pointed to Mount as like a continued, you know, source of points in that Chelsea midfield. I think it could be just as easily anyone else there in the following weeks if we find that we're still without Werner and Lukaku for an extended period. So it does seem to me that, okay, yeah, big at the back is part of this. And then a few midfielders um, from those decent, strong teams, City, I think, being the one that I would first land on, um, are going to be the way to go. And then we will see that, you know, the the marginal returns that you can get from your third and second strikers. So, okay, it could be Antonio, could be the likes of Huang, could be the likes of even Dennis um, coming in from the bench. I think they're going to kind of prove the differential in this so just I had like just a look at some stats from the last five game weeks and just the most basic of all stats FPL points and okay last five game weeks Salah sticking out like a mile like a mile miles away ahead of everyone 69 points in the last five game weeks it's truly absurd uh, then we've got beyond that it's Vardy Chilwell Foden Smithrow Tielemans uh, Martinez King and Son. They are the only other players to have got more than 30, and they've all got between 30 and 36 points. So we're starting to see that, like, this, yeah, Salah is part of this. He's, he's up and ahead. And if people kind of had copped onto the idea that uh, captaining Salah every week was the way to go, um, I think everyone has been burned probably on this at some point by not captaining Salah this season alone. Um, but beyond that, it is really marginal just getting that little bit more because there's so many players have got 20-ish or 25 points in the last few weeks. So it's getting that extra 10 points from the odd player like Chilwell over versus some other Chelsea defender or having Foden instead of a Torres type character or whoever else you might have had in that bracket, Diogo Jota, for example. That's where you're going to get those extra points at the moment, it seems. I think you're both right. I think it is about kind of those um, extra characters around the peripheries who are going to be met, coming on to make all the difference. I mean, your Livermento sort of types, right, who come on with like a, the odd five, six pointer here and there when you need them. I think this kind of feeds into a, a nice idea I want to just introduce here, which is the idea of squad maintenance. I'm just coining this phrase, really, because I feel more and more with Salah just the auto pick. I think that our squads are just kind of like a well-oiled machine sort of now with lots of spare cash going. As we said in the market forces, that a lot of the expensive players are being binned off. People are going to be doing this week. You know, Vardy still in, is actually injured. People are going to be doing Vardy to Tony, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm seeing more and more our squads as being this well-oiled machine with loads of cash going in, in this sort of union, union or monium or whatever you want to call it context. And that becomes more about uh, to bring in that kind of maintenance idea, discarding parts which aren't working anymore and buying new ones to function, uh, to keep your job going with the captaincy pretty much settled. I guess this breaks down into what I said about last week as well. The emphasis is on removing and discarding those old parts when they've outlived the usefulness and picking up the new ones properly in a timely manner. So it's it's a little bit, it is a lot like maintenance, I think, rather than being about kind of surgery as we've used to, used to do in the past. Because you can have loads of money now, especially if, as as Matt said earlier, people aren't going to be kind of sat there with two premiums. You can be sat there with a son as being your second most expensive player. I guess what I'm getting at is that we're now in a situation where the little guys are where the fine margins are made. And the less glamorous picks, I suppose, uh, reign supreme. Um, In terms of those sorts of players, I mean, Matthew, what kind of works as being criteria for the sort of player you'd be looking to target? Um, who, you know, you're going to give, as a patient manager, you'll probably give them, you know, four or five weeks. Like, What sort of things are you looking for from an individual you'd be looking to buy in? 
I do like my squad maintenance. And like as the season sort of starts up, I'm, I'm always trying to like get in players that, um, you know, sort of solid picks that I can keep for the foreseeable future, you know, plug them in, plug them in. And then once you've got, um, you know, built, built a, a solid foundation, sort of a kicking on from your, um, uh, you know, engineering type of uh, vernacular there. Um, you know, once you've got a, a sort of solid base and, you know, maybe your bench is half decent, I think that then that starts allowing you to pick one or two more high risk but high upside type picks. So the likes of the Chelsea fullbacks or Foden or Jota, you know, so because you sort of t- tend to find that a lot of the, apart from the premiums, you, you know, are expensive for a reason. The ones that are, are, are kind of capable of those big hauls tend to be ones that also come with risk for, for whatever reason, you know, the likes of Foden and, and, and Jota. So, you know, you've got to have that solid squad so that you can just add those in as like you, you sort of risk and, you know, you know, you, you know, you can fall back on your squad if needed. You know, the other players are just sort of ticking along. It, it does seem, though, that those marginal players are where it's at. And I was trying to maybe thinking about this and maybe thinking a little bit proactively in terms of squad maintenance and trying to look at fixtures to come and where we might be able to find some sort of uh, maybe less glamorous but still useful pick um, within the weeds. And maybe looking, first of all, to these like very close upcoming fixtures, like the, the, three player, the three teams that are being identified as having the best fixtures of all are Norwich, so we can ignore that. Brentford, mm. who I think we can take something from in that, you know, of course, Tony is going to be a primary pick for a lot of people. Uh, then there is obviously Embuemo, um, who didn't go, who had a bit of an injury, and so we're kind of waiting to see what's the story with that and then there's that Brentford defense that some people are well invested in and rightly so and has proved so good for them and may continue to do so beyond that then you know it's Wolves, Villa, Southampton and then it's it's City, Liverpool and Chelsea who have good fixtures coming up and so I kind of feel like okay the City, Liverpool and Chelsea stuff doesn't help us because we're quite well invested and so it's quite interesting that it could be the the real point of end of a difference for example in the forward line could be you know Brocha versus the likes of Huang who does better in these next three weeks? You know, as your third striker, for example, maybe looking further ahead, Spurs, actually, their fixtures are really starting to turn, especially from, well, broadly game week 12, although you could argue that the United game at home is a big opportunity for them and Nuno to get going. And so maybe getting Son in as that second most expensive player in your side may well start to look very enticing soon. And maybe he could provide the explosive returns that could find people finding a way to um, proactively sort out their squad to really fire up the ranks in a way that very few players can provide that opportunity. The thing is, is like, would you want to b- to buy into that Spurs team at the moment, having looked so flat so frequently so far this season? Yeah, I mean, that's the concern, isn't it? Those sort of players, like you're you're doing it with the the marked upside. The thing is, is the, the the ownership for so many players within this sort of maintenance sphere, so many players that Matthew kind of characterised as being solid. 
um, is just so high that if you do go against the grain, I'm saying last year as well, quite a lot for those who listen for a while, that if you bet against the house, a lot of the time you tend to lose. And there's a reason why these players differentials, like very few will make the upward curve all the way into the mainstream. I mean, Matthew, I was interested to kind of hear about the fact that you've got your kind of risky picks on the basis of those solid picks. Like, what sort of distribution would you go with? Like, would you be saying that there's a certain, what sort of number of kind of solid picks yeah. would you be going for? And how many risky picks would be kind of part of it? Would it be kind of two or three in the 11? Like, you know, you want to be in a position where you've got mainly solid picks um, and probably. Yeah, two or three, um, sort of high upside, you know, high risk, but a little bit higher risk. Um, I mean, Cancelo, I, I sort of had in that bracket, but he, he just seems to be become more reliable in terms of stars. I know he famous last words because he won't start all the time. But, I was just about know, to say, I was like, you, you know, you've he, done it now. <laughs> you, you know, but you know, you know, your real solid picks, you know, the likes of well, Livermento probably for the value. You know, I've got White, he's, he's sort of okay. Um, Alexander-Arnold, pretty much everyone's got Salah, obviously. Uh, Rafinha, although they say that, but then he keeps getting injured or going to Brazil. <laughs> um, so, and, and you know, Saar, like I thought, he was another solid pick. But then, you know, the solid picks can quite quickly become a bit stale sometimes. You know, a new manager coming in and, you know, maybe got a bit of a different role and they get, you know, got taken off after an hour didn't he and then before they scored four goals so yeah so things can things can change quite quick quite often it seems like your kind of moves are kind of dictated by who's got injured or suspended you know you know rather than you know it seems quite rare in FPL that you can really just choose who you're going to address next well I mean that's it I think I think you've there's definitely this sort of reactive versus proactive dynamic where a lot of the time you know, yeah. you are you are kind of happy to just leave your team be and then wait for an issue to arise. Yeah. Um, but I guess kind of you know you've referenced this as well by saying you know, players can get a bit a bit stale. Like mm-hmm. there is, I think, opportunity in removing players like Ben Rama or for me this week. Hey, you know what? It didn't really work out. But removing a player like Trossard to get in a player like Havertz to hope that he will then be a difference. Like if I remove the name Havertz and said I bought in Mount for Trossard. Um, then you know I'd be laughing right now. I think it's just one of those sort of things where there is definitely an opportunity in removing a high-owned player to get a low-owned one in when the fixtures, as Stag was kind of mentioning earlier on, do sort of align for you. I mean, uh, Anthony, proactive versus reactive in terms of maintaining your squad. I mean, are you the sort of person who waits around for things to screw up or are you somebody who's uh, proactively maintaining, getting your spanner out and make sure everything's tip sh- uh, ship shape uh this maybe is going to highlight what we're maybe what might be part of our conclusion for this that everything is so squad dependent but i feel like i'm still paying the cost of a that disastrous wild card in game week three which just continues to cause me trouble like i still haven't got ta into my side and that's something that is a react a problem that i must respond to reactively at some point relatively soon and i feel like i've also with the minus eight that i've done i'm already starting to regret so much of it that i feel like i have more problems to react to so in an attempt to be proactive i think i've just caused myself more things to react to in the process um I think in an ideal world, you'd like to be acting somewhat, maybe Matthew's getting at is, you know, acting somewhat reactively because you're so happy with most of your team that you'll just be forced into some sort of moves along the way by whatever happens to your players. Um, And maybe that, 
reactive reactivity in the sense of the way that Matthew is talking about it is a luxury of you know doing quite well and having been pretty much on the template and just be looking for those marginal gains to keep you know inexorably ticking up the ranks if you're now that you're joining now that you've joined me tom at the 800k club then it kind of it's a little bit more you have to think more about proactive transfers to try and make your way back up especially especially if the captaincy thing seems so tied up until afcon with the sala so Mm -hmm. unfortunately maybe if we were doing well tom we'd love to be able to just say be reactive but unfortunately we've got to be proactive to try and find our way up these ranks Matthew, do you have? Are you like you know particularly conscious about how you end up in good positions every time? Is it something that is particularly integral to the way you play? Like, do you pay um, much thought to the fact that you've got you know your eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth man is good enough to come on? Like, is it about ownership? Is it about yeah? What is it about? Um, a, a bit of that. Um, I mean, I think you know when you say proactive or reactive, it kind of feels logically like proactive you know is better you know it just you know sounds like we should be trying to be proactive but some a lot of time i prefer reactive moves in that you know if your squad looks great and you know you're thinking right i'll be proactive now and change this player who's you know doing fine for another player i think is going to do better i always think that could equally blow up in your face as as do well (laughs) whereas you know i quite like it you know sometimes some weeks i'm looking at my team and thinking looks fine and actually I wouldn't mind an injury in midweek you know because then it, it sort of makes uh, obvious which move you, who should, you should take out um, and then it's you know it's about who you bring in is is the sort of the, the skill part then isn't it I suppose whereas yeah if your team you know looks great and then you, you know you're just like looking for luxury moves I think you're, more, you're just as likely to sort of make things worse as better sometimes I do think I, tr- I try more to sort of address the weak points in my team so that um, you know your squad as a whole is improving. So kind of, if, if there's a player who you know is very popular, but I don't have him, you know, it might, there might be a point where I'll say I'll just bring him in because you know rather than try and compete on not have not having that player and hoping another player does it better, I'll sort of you know bank that and then look for the marginal gains as you said elsewhere. So tr- you know trust my, the rest of my team to sort of. Do, do that so a good example of that is, is probably this week so most of the week I was thinking I'll just save a transfer as I had Ronaldo you know and obviously Lukaku got injured so I thought I'll, I'll just save a transfer you know because I wasn't sure about Vardy he never seems to score points when I get him and I wasn't sure between him and Kane you know and then but Kane maybe I didn't need for another couple of weeks but then I just saw keep seeing more and more people getting Vardy. Like it seemed to be that like the whole um, Lukaku herd was kind of moving into Vardy, and then quite a lot of the the Ronaldo herd was also moving to Vardy. So I kind of thought, like, why risk you know Vardy like exploding when I'm doing quite well? Like, why not just plug Vardy in in there and like take away that risk? Um, you know, and obviously it didn't pay off, but you know, it's kind of risk management. Yeah, so it's, it's about covering that downside when you see it. Yeah. And just thinking, you know what, you know, all right, I've got a free transfer at the moment and, you know, an injury has occurred. I mean, it's, it's always the enviable position we all want to be in where we've got the template or at least like a, a team that we're pretty settled with. And I mean, that was me, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And in fact, 
last week where I was just thinking, yeah, you know, if an injury happens, you know, great. I could, I've got loads of resource to move things around and I'll probably be able to just captain blah. But then with the Kaku yeah. injury, I think that was what messed up with me. Because if he was fit, I'd probably not be here um, in this f- f- mentality of yeah. defeat. I'd probably be feeling a little bit better about my life. Yeah. So I'm guessing he'd I mean, done it, better. I mean, if he'd have been fit, I was absolutely going to just do, you know, bring him in for absolutely. Ronaldo and, and probably captain him, to be honest. And, um, you know, as, as I was saying um, to Stag in the break, you know, there's no way Lukaku wouldn't have scored at least a couple of goals against Norwich in that game. So, you know. Uh, you know, there's just no way I was not going to have him if, if he was fit, you know. I think what was very interesting as well is that you didn't actually jump for Lukaku. Like, I jumped for him a couple of weeks ago against Southampton. No. So I thought, you know what, that was a point to do it. And you decided actually to to kind of plough the opposite furrow where you kind yeah, of gave it some patience. And, yeah, because kind of like looking at the point when you want him, it's like with um, Spurs now, you know, it, they've got good fixtures in a few weeks, haven't they? But I, like, I sort of don't want to, you know, re- you know, jump on Sun now because what if now Kane scores the next couple of games and then I'll think I want Kane, but now it's difficult to get him. So I kind of you know rather wait until the point when we actually want him and then you know see who we want at that point. It, it, this is definitely the, the the luxury of doing so well, though, isn't there? Being up in a, in and ahead that you can wait until the week that you feel like okay, they've they've got their ducks in a row and Spurs are starting to fire. Who do I need? And Plus, Whereas I think, okay, I got I moved on Lukaku a little bit earlier on the wild card because I was it was I was doing well at the time. <laughs> all those all those weeks ago. I haven't used my wild card, so but if I had wild card a few weeks ago, I would have got Lukaku in at that point because you know you don't want to sort of book in mm-hmm. transfers of, you know that you know you're gonna want in the next two or three weeks. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, how important is that to you? Like, do you see booking in transfers as being the ultimate no-no? And I know you've taken a few hits this season, but that's not something I yeah. associate with you too much. I would not associate no, not you with taking risks as an accountant as well, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're an accountant, right? I'm sure you yeah, absolutely yeah, are yeah, when I was yeah. talking. I mean, yeah. is, 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 is taking a hit just pissing away points in your view? Not always. It depends. Um, you know, if you, if, I think if you take a hit and it's you know it's a move that you think is going to be good over the next and over a few weeks and then yeah it would probably pay off i mean obviously I, I try not to and i probably only take a few hits a year but i think like that maybe i should take a, a few more hits probably and, and maybe this season i am thinking a bit more like that in fact it, you know i probably should have taken another hit, hit this week like i could have um so i brought a vardy in which freed up a bit of money and then, you know, if I was going to make another move, and you know, I did talk about it in my article, um, it would have been Christiansen to Chilwell. That, you know, that, now that would have paid back the points easily. So yeah, it's so kind it of frustrating. Yeah. Is it all seems to be. I'm sure you're the same when you start thinking of taking a hit and then don't. It all seems to be that yeah, should yeah. be done. <laughs> so my, my first instinct is always better than, than my actual yeah. the actual outcomes normally. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, and I guess I guess that kind of moves us on nicely to that kind of um, discussion quickly on the importance of the real fine margins, you know, the very periphery of everything, the margin of the margin, the importance of the tenth man, the eleventh man, the twelfth man selections, e.g. Livramento. Um so you know I didn't I don't didn't buy Livramento on my game week free World Cup because back then you know it felt like a better idea to have Cody in I think I had Brandon Williams for a while when I had two uh, premiums I and mean, obviously it was easier to move him up to Cancello and leave myself with Cody as like my kind of 
defensive venture. Um, and that's left me quite exposed, actually, because of things like this week, where you've got Livermento coming yeah. off loads, the bench for loads of people. Obviously, the goal is pretty lucky. Um, but nonetheless, it's something which, um, you know, with the clean sheets and things that have happened, it leaves me a bit exposed. There's sort of uh, Matthew Pavan nightmares over. Um, and I think an interesting question here is, would we ever advise maintenance transfers? So a few people have said, you know, why don't uh, you own Infermento, dude? Um, on Twitter to me, I'm just thinking, well, would you buy him for Cody and use up a free transfer? Would you buy him as part of minus four or minus eight? Like, I know there's a mental sort of, you know, hygiene thing about owning him, which I don't at the moment. And maybe that kind of is addressed in my third objective about kind of taking a chance on form, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, Matthew, I mean, would you ever advise kind of making maintenance transfers, especially if it's kind of for a minus four, minus eight? I mean, I know you took a free to get Vardy in to cover that downside, but a player yeah. like that who's on the periphery, surely you'd be thinking actually rolling the free transfer is much better than owning this guy. I think sometimes there is an argument for for doing that sort of move because I think like every season there's a, you know certain player or players that are just such good value that you kind of just might as well bite bite the bullet and get them in you know because every week that goes by there'll be another transfer that looks more important you know it's like well just like bringing in a cheap defender that might not might not play some weeks but you know in that I don't know are you just better off you know, just taking a hit one week just to get him in because you'll never, it'll never be the most important transfer. So you'll just kind of never, never do it otherwise. I'm making a transfer to shore up first bench. Like that's, that's, it just seems a bit wild yeah. to me. I, I like having a decent bench though, because especially like, you know, this, the last couple of years with, with COVID and, you know, there's, I don't, I know there hasn't been that much happening with, that but it's always a chance of something isn't there of someone you know, it's even, another it's another factor that of risk that can happen kind of thing pep being joined by tuchel and the importance of chelsea and united you know, or chelsea and city i think is probably the, the the one of the biggest impacts you know as much as covid for sure um when it comes to the need to have like a good deep squad and i think even just the fact that even at liverpool just Jota, for example, is the type of player that a lot of us have owned at some point this season or the previous season, and he has proven to be, you know, fall out of the squad every so often. And I think it's just there are so many players that have been options for us who, for squad rotation reasons, do occasionally drop out, meaning that, you know, we so frequently need to reach too deep, if not Allen deep, into our benches. I think that's what's changed. And so that your 10th man, your 11th man, and indeed your 12th and 13th even or men are very very important I feel um, this season especially I've multiple times now gone too deep into my bench I think yeah. that, especially if I buy into the Chelsea or City defence more than I have I suspect I'll need that third uh, option relatively more more frequently than I would have otherwise yeah I, I mean that's kind of what I was saying about if you've you know if you've got a solid base then it enables you to take you know you're more confident about bringing in say Reese James because you know if he doesn't play or unless he comes on for cameo, you know, Livermento sat there, or White, you, you know, that, that or Dennis. <laughs> yeah, um, I, mean, I just wonder whether these things are like inversely proportional. Like, if price is inversely proportional to ownership, like if the price kind of descends and you find the cheaper players, you want to be buying the most owned players because you want to just be kind of closing that door and any negative thing happening. Like, if you're sat there with Brandon Williams and you're watching people who've got Livermento at 4 million 
rolling the points every week. Like you kind of think to yourself, well, surely I should have just bought in Livermento when he was the same price or near the same price. Like that probably was worth doing. Uh, I think yeah. that that's definitely something that's worth thinking about just because I'm kind of, you know, going back to the kind of the main question just to round off why are the fine margins important that important in FPL? Like I really think the fine margins are about downside protection more than anything else. Like Matthew's spoken about how if you've got the foundation nailed, you can then have a few players to elevate you, the players like Foden yeah. that we've mentioned. But it's kind of like an insurance, isn't it? Like you know, you're just making sure you've got to the potential leaks plugs. Like covering off the sort of key risks, but and then you know, what once you've got those covering off, looking for those little upsides that you can make, you, you know, on, on the crowd. Because it got, gets to the point where everyone's got basically the same team, <laughs> you know, there's a few differences. So, you know, those those fine margins become become more and more important. But, it's interesting. I, I saw the wire fine margins so important in FPL and I could barely escape that question without thinking of just like... <laughs> Gabriel Jesus, who I brought in this week, takes a shot on goal, it deflects off Foden, and it's a Foden goal all of a sudden. I think it wasn't on yeah. target, in fairness. So, you know, we could say that I wouldn't have got anything, and at least I should be happy with my assist. But that was what came to mind. But, of course, we're thinking about this in the broader idea of why fine margins are so important. And I think it is, I think, as you say, Matthew, especially as a template starts to form. But we found already a template that has shuffled three times, I would say, in you know, about nine game weeks. So, you know, it's so easy for us to think that this template is so locked in. AFCON isn't that far away and that's going to absolutely tear asunder the template A, but B, it's going to tear apart some squads, especially the Liverpool one. The Liverpool one seems to me like the most vulnerable one. Salah, of course, yeah. Mane, of course, well, they're yeah. going to start having to go quite deep into their forward line. Are they going to score enough if they're trying to find goals? Are they going to have to like recalibrate how much they put into you know, push men forward offensively to try and make up for the lack of talent with more numbers. You know, it's going to really like change the ball game a little bit. And I feel like that and just kind of the knock-on effect it has on a bunch of other squads as well, the AFCON, um, may kind of give us a good um, opportunity. All it takes is one Salah injury, for example. I don't wish it to happen, but it, you know, all it takes is that one moment to happen and then suddenly the template will change again. And I think, yes, so much of FPL is making sure that you get those small upsides in the little bit that you have beyond the template that you were talking about, Matthew. But yeah, then there I is also the, the phrase I... to respond to the template as it changes, you know, just to see what's coming as well as you can, just that little bit more, no? Yeah, that's, that's hard, yeah. But I, I think the phrase I would use is, is sort of a similar phrase, which is marginal gains. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously similar, but I think that... That's probably what my whole FPL approach is based on, looking for those marginal gains, um, which you know sounds easy. Obviously, not not as easy in practice. Mm-hmm. But it uh, seems to become more and more like that because teams are so similar. That, mm. You know, that's what you've got to kind of, you know, just manage your team better so you're not having to take risks all the time, covering off the sort of key risk. Well, take looking for those little gains you can get here and there at the right times. I think that rounds it off really nicely, actually. I think from speaking to you here and obviously Anthony and I bring in our unlearned or unsophisticated view to things, uh, the reality is that the ideal is to be reactive and just be kind of thinking, well, I'm head of the pack. I'm just going to be kind of making sure that I'm sorting things out. Whereas for the likes of us, me now, sadly, uh, and Anthony, of course, uh, in the muds too. And um, we're going to have to be looking at ways in which to kind of assault that kind of uh, uh, 
high castle that you're in. Um, I guess at the moment, stability yeah. is key and the importance is keeping those leaks and risks covered uh, by the sounds of it. Um, and as you said, you know, uh, fine margins, marginal gains, like they're both synonymous to me. They're both the same thing. Um, yeah. Um, and, and marginal gains is very much a football term. I wanted to keep it away from that. But I think it's definitely true. Um, that yeah. The importance of fine margins, the importance of marginal gains is always going to be paramount in fpl so as i said the stop this bit it's not really about the actual answer um which is clear it's more about the journey and the great conversation we just had then i think really epitomizes um the fact that there's lots of ways in which you can approach this the way in which you can do things to just improve your fpl fortunes maybe things i need to heed going forward right let's take a break there move on to correspondence and questions just after this break who got the assist who got the assist Hello, so we're back and we're on to the community section, aka correspondence and questions. And uh, the correspondence returns uh, in its full gusto. Last week we had one kind of starting the pod off and being part of the springboard to the question we're talking about. But this week it's back to where it belongs, isn't it, Anthony? Yes, it is indeed. The correspondence section is, of course, your chance to get in contact with us in long form with your questions, your thoughts, your poems, your songs, whatever it might be that you've got. And in this week, James Keatley emailed who got the assist at gmail.com. Now, James Keatley emailing, this is part of um, a series at this point that he initially emailed two episodes ago, reinforcing that Matt Ritchie is legitimately awful. And Tom mentioned, Tom had mentioned his phantom good stats, and this eventually linked up to this following question, which, of course, to who got this is to gmail.com. Hi, Tom. I suppose the question might be this. At what point should we start to disregard data for certain players who have good underlying data, but who just don't deliver? Do we give three to four game weeks to deliver on their underlying stats, or do we just jump off them quicker than that? Thanks, James. And I guess thinking what James is saying here, just to maybe to add a few names beyond Matt Ritchie to this. I'm thinking about someone whose underlying data has been pretty good, but hasn't matched necessarily with returns. Maybe Saka has one. Jota is another. Luke Shaw is another. Not so much now, but in previous times. Mm-hmm. And sure, we'll even toss in Sadio Mane for this as well, just because he's in my team and I just want to suffer. So what do you think, Matthew? Um, yeah, I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, I've got my sort of own algorithm is probably a too fancy a name for it but it kind of looks at you know past you know recent stats um fixture of course but then the, the sort of third thing well yeah the third thing that i sort of add in is like player quality which i kind of just do manually put in my own rating for that um and you know because i think that that's the sort of third angle of the triangle you could also add nailed on this nailed on this which i also factor in as well but um you know that so you know how they're doing stat wise, um, what how the fixtures look, and then but you've got to add in that player quality. So player yeah players who you know have got great stats but they're just not that good. You know they're not going to convert those stats into into goals and assists. I suppose Traore's um, been a classic one this year, and yeah I, I mean I, I can't pretend I didn't look at him because you know he's just thought surely he's just got to start getting some points but when you add in that sort of quality angle you, you know you've got to sort of factor that in as well i, I think so, it's interesting because there's two sorts of players there's the red herring and um, the sort of player who's you know providing that underlying data as james kind of detailed who's doing the job but isn't quite returning the points and you've got their sibling which is the overperformer i'm thinking of bandwagons like jesse lingard last year a player who's performing beyond the data that they're posting 
I guess in relation to James's mm. question, Mbwemo comes to mind the most now because yeah, he's probably a red herring that a few people have made, made the kind of uh, leap on. Um, good positions, but he just can't seem to finish, can he? And there's that, that, finish, that kind of pass um, to him where he just kind of shot wide when you were thinking, well, that, that should probably be him, mate. And I just had a little look at players who are underperforming by two goal involvements plus over the last few years around game week nine sort of time. And this year, you've got the likes of Mbwemo, Traore, as you mentioned the second game, Matthew, um, mm-hmm. Trinchal, and Ilianusi. Okay, they're all two. Yep. Last year, um, you had the likes of McBurney and Trezeguet at, at 1.97. Yeah, before wow. that, JWP, McGoldrick, Barkley, Che Adams, and Gundawan. Before he was cool, he wasn't cool. He wasn't cool two years two no. years ago. He wasn't at all. And the year before that, Danny Ings, Antonio, Tekers, Jesus, Salah, and Milly Miljovic. That season, of course, does actually have a few players who did end up doing okay. So Salah, obviously, that's his two five nine season, twenty two goals, twelve assists that year. Didn't underperform at all. Um, but Ings actually did. Um, so that's not the year that he went on the rampage. That was the year he got injured pretty quickly. Uh, seven oh. goals, three assists that year. And Antonio that year was not the monster we know now. So six goals, eight assists, and one hundred twenty points or so. So. I mean, that list of players, Mbwemo, Elianusi, Trinchao, McBurney, McGoldrick, Barkley, Che Adams. I mean, these are players who underperform for a reason. It's that they're not yeah. pretty good. They're not very good exactly. end product stuff, are they? <laughs> exactly. So you, I mean, you, you do get players who do burn bright initially. You know, the likes of your Mitroviches. We've owned him. Um, we owned him that year when he was doing all right in the Prem. And your Pookies. Um, but the reality is that you've got players who, you know, will end up breaking into that sort of thing. I think next week we're going to look at the 200 club and think about kind of players who aren't performing quite there yet, but will make it there. But it was really striking, I think, to look at the list of names who do underperform on their SGI to that sort of level um, and just kind of the content. The, the identity of those players is pretty instructive, isn't it? There are a lot of red herrings every season. And I think just to answer James's question, three to four weeks is the perfect amount. I mean, I know that we've got Mbwemo now with a potential injury. We don't know whether he will play this week and he's not going to play in the League Cup this week. Um, so it, it's one of those where, you know, it's worth punt. It really is because they could turn into a latter day uh, sort of Aaron Ramsey sort of situation. But the reality is that a lot of the time, over the last four years at least, these are players who are not going to be burning their names into the annals of FPL managers, legendary status sort of individuals. And Buemo has, has been very unlucky, hasn't he? I mean, he's hit the post that many times. You know, and that hitting the post is such, again, using the word fine margins or the phrase. Um, you, you know, you can't say that's a being a poor player, it's just been a bit unlucky at that point as well. Um, I mean, is it though? I mean, it's like, you know, well, for yeah. me once, shame on me, well, for me twice, shame on you. Yeah, six oh, times. For me six times, <laughs> shame on everybody around you. You had the year when Luis Suarez like hit the woodwork many, many times. I remember that that dog leash season where he hit the hit the woodwork so many times. Like Liverpool were ridiculously underperforming their XG, as we call it now. Back then, we were saying they could have scored loads of goals. Um, is it the same with Mbwemo though? Is he a player who's got the latent ability to eventually turn that into a parade of goal of points? Yeah, I just I mean, don't not, know. I mean, obviously, he's not. You know, he's not not the the best player in the world, but 
Um, you know, but then he's got the other factors is, you know, he's got good fixtures now. He has been having good stats. He's cheap. Um, you know, so, you know, I think that, you know, I think he could do okay over the next few weeks still uh, if he's fit. Um, so, yeah, I still think he's a good pick personally. Like in the case of Mbaimo, it's just like, yeah, he's he's still just 22. You know, eight goals in the championship last year wouldn't have necessarily suggested he was the most prolific. Um, and so with that in mind, you kind of just have to, he's in that kind of wait and see category. I think maybe drag, not wait and see in the sense of FPL because like he, does have the under, he did have the, does have the underlying data and I guess just at his price point, he does stick out. Um, and I think there are arguments you can make about a few players who are in around his price point, but at the same time, I still totally see why you have him, Tom, and I wouldn't be selling him, if that makes sense, especially with a few good fixtures coming up for Brentford. Unless the injury. Yeah, unless the injury yeah. was coming. The unless was coming, coming in heavy, unless the injury proves to be a particularly big problem. But I guess just rounding us off on James's question, I think it does feel like you should give a player three or four weeks if you've got them in to you know match the underlying data that you've bought them in presumably four and like much as it would be great to um, avoid bringing them in in the first place and just kind of be able to um, you know carefully plot your way through uh, in the way that Matthew seems to be successful in doing most seasons um, for myself and Tom maybe we're trying to uh, work out whether we've managed to uh, buy ourselves another red herring and that is difficult um, three or four weeks that's, that's probably as fair as you can do I think one game's a bit overreactive two three I think are getting towards you know what your answer is and maybe give it the fourth if it just turns out to be that way um, yeah. if, if yeah. kind of tell you enough I think that's I think that's a fair enough number to go with we're all trying to land that Danny Ings aren't we that season yes. Southampton where everybody thought he was absolutely spent six million and, you know five game weeks on you're kind of like well actually everyone's jumping on this train now I think that's kind of what we're looking for in this in, in, in the dregs when you're thinking, yeah, you know just... what, the likes of Matthew are going to be jumping on this guy in two or three weeks when there's a couple of weeks are going to be doing you know, a completely understandable kind of thinking, well, I, I need to see more. And yeah. if you are taking the taking the punt where we are, basically, you're going to be kind of saying, you know what? But, but that's right, how we could, that. you know, that's how someone like us could gain the 20 points on someone like Matthew right now to gain, you know, to start moving up. We're, we're both about 100 points off where we want to be at this point, Tom. So it's kind of, it is kind of, ooh, there's a, there's a quick route to cutting... Twenty yeah. percent of that problem. Yeah. Can't <laughs> capture that guy. Tempted. Can't capture him. So you've got to be hoping that there's a few explosions along the way. No, I completely get that. I completely get that. But, but yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll round out this section. And thanks so much for emailing us in, James Keatley. Uh, James emailed who got the assist at gmail.com. If you want to get your questions into this correspondence section, or indeed your thoughts addendums to this podcast, or anything else, just fire it in to gmail.com if it's a, a more complex uh, voice note or something that you might need to get in another way if you have Tom's WhatsApp that's always a route if you have mine that's even a route too and other than that you can send audio files even to gmail.com or we might work out some other way uh, depending <laughs> on what that is so thanks so much James for emailing in and we will move on to the actual Q&A yep let's move on to the Chelsea defence Benny Blanco, as usual, pipes up in DM. He asks, I'm not going to do live wax, and I'm not going to do it, so I'm not going to do it. Maybe if I had more drinks, I'd, I'd do it, but I'm not going to do that. He says, calm down, calm down. <laughs> um, is Chilwell the, the clear standard option in the Chelsea defence now? And if you had no fires, so I, I've got no sympathy for Benny already because it seems like he's got nothing wrong except to do this, uh, would moving him to 
from moving to him from Aspilicueta uh, be a move worth making. Um, I think maybe we should just think about the Chelsea defence in general here as well. Um, I mean, as you, as I brutally found out this week, uh, Aspilicueta and Christensen owner, uh, there's all kinds of fun you can have in the Chelsea defence, um, but you've got the Tuckle Tombona to play with. Um, Tuckle Tombola, I should say. Uh, Tom Boner sounds like something that I do every now and again. Um, but I, I think that this week, um, you know, Chilwell's positioning was really, really good. Um, but you just don't know how Tuchel's going to pick his team, basically. Um, I think that there's one kind of data point worth picking up here, which is a bit of a weird one, but it's worth noting. <laughs> I kind of picked up my kind of notes. But if you are somebody who is living the zombie life and you went with Chilonzo, um, you'd actually be third over, uh, in terms of points scored overall for a player. <laughs> so you've got Salah you know, way up in first. But if you kind of combine the scores of uh, Chilonzo, um, they'd actually have 74 points altogether. Um, so they'd be, you'd have the third highest scoring player in FPL. Um, that's probably not at all viable at all to have done from the start of the season. Um, but it's something that's worth mentioning here. I think overall, um, I guess I, I'd be sticking with what you've got. Um, a lot of the time because you know, this week's genius is next week's foolishness. Um, and I think that, that can be specifically true if you've got a player, uh, you've got a manager who's going to be rotating like mad, uh, like TT is going to be doing. Um, what do you think, Matthew? I mean, um, you've only got Christensen. Mm. Are you looking at investing yeah. in to Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at um, Tuchel or Tuchel, whatever you want to call him, um, you know, in previous lives, he he rotates, um, especially fullbacks like mad. You know, it, it basically so it, you know whoever you get, you're going to expect um, rotation. But um, I think um, in what Benny's asking there, I think he even says he's got two free transfers, doesn't he? Although you don't put, put it on the screen, but maybe that was two. You know, um, I would hundred percent do that move. Yeah. Um, so Aspie again, he's one of them sort of boring players. Um, whereas Chilwell's got such a good high upside, it's just crazy, isn't he? Scored four consecutive Premier League games now. This is um, you know, this is this is the richest vein of goal scoring for him he may ever have in his whole entire career. Yeah. Or Reese James, you know, that he's similar. Um they're both really gonna be really good. But I suppose I just think I probably prefer Chilwell slightly because Alonso, I don't think, is that good of a player. So I just think, you know, I know Chilwell had mental health issues early in the season, but that, you know, you just thought once he gets in, he's going to be first choice. And as long as a lot, you know, as long as he doesn't start midweek, which I don't think he will, then he should start. He should be fine for next weekend. So uh, I just think the upside is much higher with Chilwell than Aspie personally. See, this is it, and I think it, there's an element of team structure here in that if you only had one Chelsea defender and you were looking at getting rid of Aspilicueta and bringing in Chilwell, I'm kind of thinking, mm, maybe stop and try and find another way to get Chilwell into your team you know, elsewhere and keep Aspilicueta just to like not have this problem where you're kind of perhaps uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul um, to try and remove points around your team like the problem with Chelsea is they can play five at the back they can play four at the back you've got Alonso or Chilwell you've got James Chalaba or Azpilicueta and then in the middle you've got Christensen or Rudiger or Azpilicueta or Silva or Sar or Chalaba and so you've got this like constant uh, problem and the one thing about Azpilicueta and this is something that he shares with Chalaba actually is that 
you know, he can play in two of these positions. He can yeah, play in two true. of these positions. And I kind of favor him just, I favor him personally as an option because he seems to be the one that's more nailed, quote unquote, because of that. You know, famously, after he just doesn't play a game, it doesn't make sense to say that. But this is why he he does seem to offer so much. But the thing is, is he is, of course, 6.2. And it's like, are you willing to pay that premium when he doesn't have the upside that someone like Chilwell, of course, does offer for cheaper? Mm. Like I personally, I have Rudiger at the moment. I would like a second Chelsea defender. And I think that second Chelsea defender, if I now had a choice, given what we've seen in the last few weeks, it would now be Chilwell. But right up until very, very recently, it was Aspeliqueta. I think, I, whilst I think Alonso will um, get plenty of game time this season, I suspect that, especially in the Premier League, Chilwell is going to get a little bit more of, uh, get the nod like he has been getting mm. in previous weeks a bit more. I just feel like Chelsea can just, you know, keep giving Alonso plenty of games in the Champions League, for example, at the moment, and let Chilwell just continue tipping away in England. Um, I did actually just briefly consider Mendy, um, as bad as this might sound. He is 6.1. That makes him more premium than any of all the Chelsea defenders bar Aspiliqueta. He is the top go- uh, scoring keeper. He has scored the same amount of points as Chelsea's highest scoring defender, which is not any of the goal scoring fullbacks. It's actually Rudiger. Um, he has seven save points across four games this season. He's got bonus points on three occasions, albeit just one all those games. So he is kind of an interesting pick in there and he avoids some of the rotation problem, but we've already seen Kepa play this season. Of course, that wasn't necessarily rotation, but just kind of shows us um, that, you know, even he isn't necessarily fully safe in this Chelsea side. And so with that in mind, I think for me, I'm not sure if I would do what Benny's move is unless he has like a solid other Chelsea base in there. Yeah. Basically, does he have Rudiger? I think it, it also comes back to what I was saying before that, you know, if you've got that, you know, if he's got like a solid squad, that I don't think Chilwell's going to come on a sub that often. He might do occasionally, but so yeah. as long as you can afford for them times when he doesn't play, yeah. that you've got someone de- you know half decent to cover him, then it kind of that's what I mean. It allows you to take a slightly bit of a more of a risk because you think, well, I've got Livermento, and you know he's not bad himself, you know, or Ben White, <laughs> you know, they're, this, they're not bad options. It. If you're doubling up on Chelsea or even the City defense, realistically, you then need a fourteen person, a fourteen player squad. You know, at least. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's definitely what I found this week. I mean, if, if it, magically, uh, amazingly, I just kind of feel like uh, the German manager does not care about fantasy football. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely true. Um, I think that yeah, it's it's, 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 it's a huge unpredictable. Um, but I, I think there's definitely an element of just uh, pick and stick as far as we can. There's things we can infer. I think probably right about the looking at Chilwell and thinking actually he's probably well suited to the Premier League mm. game. Um, but you know, with all of these players, as I found to my chagrin this week, you've got to every now and again just stomach a downside. And Zampi said having a 14 man squad becomes a a necessity um, but the thing with like we've both got Christensen I think haven't we um, we have but he's like the the worst of both worlds because he still gets rotated quite a lot but then he hasn't got the upside to make it that worthwhile but it's basically buying the defender like if you, if there was a Man City defender who played as much as Christensen did um, for Man City we'd all own him that is the the reasoning that I take here 
Um, yeah, like Stones, whenever it, when he was yeah, last exactly. season. Exactly, Stones, good. exactly. And I know. Well, then he kept. Stones sco- the, he, he scored as well. Yeah, he did. He did. But that was like a bonus, wasn't it? That wasn't something we weren't buying Stones, thinking, "Oh, this lad's going to buy, get me a brace and double game no, week." That was no. not part of the equation. It you was. Ju- you the, just thought you get clean sheets and it's that was it. bonus. And at yeah. five million, that is more than fine. Um, I, I, I saw a ridiculous statue that he got 38 clean sheets seats in his last 48 games in Christensen and he's got new contracts well recently like I think um, I mean he's good as being your second Chelsea defender if you want to have the money to spend elsewhere at the time it made loads of sense but now because we are in this sort of context where you've got one premium player like Salah who you have to own and the rest yeah. are questionable now maybe you'd be looking at just saying you know yeah, what yeah, that's spin true. off Christensen buy and chill well and just go for break right yeah. let's move on to the next question um which is about big at the back amazingly uh so follows on very very nicely clary fpl congrats on the newborn hope your uh, mum and baby are doing very, very well and um, asked where we're at with big at the back going forward because last week in the questions of our friend fpl jack uh we said that you know Bigger that was good value. Um, the next three or four weeks are very, very good for Chelsea defenders. We've touched on already. Um, but is it a fad or is it something that's going to keep going? I mean, yeah, I mean, Matthew, what do you think? Are you looking to get another Chelsea defender in? Um, well, I've got I've got TAA, uh, Cancelo, and Christensen at the moment. Obviously, I'd, I prefer um, Chilwell than Christensen now, but I think like. Livermento is probably so good for his price that it's probably worth having him in one slot. But I think then I think up to four is probably justifiable. Now you know up to four other big ones. Um, mm-hmm. You know the between man yeah between Alexander Arnold I think is pretty much a must have. Then you know the other slots probably between um, Man City slash Chelsea because. Um, yeah, you've got players there with get a lot of clean sheets, and there's ones with a lot of upside. So you kind of pick, you know, which end of that spectrum you want to go on, safety or or upside. Um, so I think definitely three, if not four, I think um, is viable now. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that as well with Matthew. I think um, if you're not getting the, if you're not going for the four, then you know you could be really looking at, as we've talked about in the pod in previous weeks, Ederson as your goalkeeper to kind of maybe maximise making sure you get into that city defence um, when they get their clean sheet every second game effectively. So yeah, I think where are we at with Big at the Back, Claret? We are very much still advocating for it, I think. I think you'll find a wholesale advocation for it here because like it's just our advocacy for it because it is just a well, what we've been talking about with the money slashing about, and you've said this already, Matthew, that you know, the money is slashing about, you can afford to do it. You're not, there isn't a massive opportunity cost to it at the moment because you can probably get yeah. most of the midfielders and forwards that you want. And with that in mind, when there's every second, every second week, there's a clean sheet coming from City, Chelsea and pretty much Liverpool as well. Hard to ignore. It's very hard to ignore. Yep. I, I, I only echo that. So <laughs> I, I put nothing else to add. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably bigger the back is here to stay for the short term, at least. I'm sure there'll be some medium a uh, mid-price midfielder or some sort of you know striker will emerge out of nowhere that means we need to move our money out there but yeah at the moment it does look um, like the value is going to win out uh, let's move on to um, premium possibilities um, so this is quite an interesting one um, and I think we touched on it a little while ago in terms of death for the premium um, Andy Penman asked if there's any point in any of the premiums to pa- partner seller with 
Um, is it, are we going to be looking at you know the likes of Lukaku? Obviously, he's injured now. Ronaldo, whatever. Like, where do we even go with all this money that we're saying sloshing around? Uh, Rubster um, asked if Kaku in early was a bad decision. I think we've kind of discussed, discussed that earlier on, um, but it's still worth kind of meditating on here because he asked, you know, because all the premiums done nothing. Should we have moved to Vardy instead? This season is very strange. He acutely kind of adds, and also um, Emma at Jump the Wave um, DM me earlier on uh, to point out that Kane and Son were on everyone's radar. We've mentioned both of them actually today. Um, before that narrow defeat against West Ham, where I haven't seen them mentioned too much um, over the last couple of days. I mean, in terms of the premiums, guys. I mean. I guess it has definitely become one of those places where we are in watch and wait mode to see who kind of emerges. Um, Vardy obviously was in ridiculous form. Matthew, you and I both brought him in. Um, yeah. If he is injured, I don't know where we, what we're going to do about that. I mean, how do you see the premium sort of situation developing from here? Well, as we, you know, we've kind of been talking about, you know, you know there's only been one premium that you need so you know spend that money around but I'm always a bit reluctant to do that in practice because um you just know you know the minute um say Kane you know scores a few goals in the next couple then he's got good fixtures you know you, you know that you're going to want Kane in and then that's 12 million and you think well I've just spread all that money around I can't get him in anymore uh, or Lukaku comes back starts banging them in um, you, you know, you're never more than a, a game week or two away from wanting one of those backs. So I think it's, you know, I'm always wary of like spreading the money out too much. Um, See, regardless I, of uh, that, it seems sensible, you know, right now. So, do you find yourself um, just trying to concentrate in a in a player, or do you just find yourself holding a big bank balance? Probably a big bank bank balance, to be honest. Like you, you know, because then I'll think, well, you know, what other value. Pl- you know what typical, are the good value typical players? accountant yeah that's, that's the yeah, thing the accountant um, skill is going to come in like you want to be you, you know li- li- there for the there for the flexibility eventually you can swoop when the investment kind of you know, criteria say, pops i say vardy's out this weekend i don't know whether he will be but let's pretend he is um i probably say well I, i've been kind of like wanting to get tony because I think he's good value all season, so I then just get Tony, you know, and then, you know, you've got a load of money in, but then, you know, maybe then you do want someone else, you know, you can you can choose who you want to sort of trade in for them. You know, could, could get, you know, trade Dennis in or Antonio, you know, if he gets injured again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's arguments for that, but there's also arguments for, you know, getting the points here and now, you know, with, with a big player. I agree. I, I do think that the jury's out here. I think that if if Fardy had continued his goal scoring form, at least not gotten injured, then yeah. we'd all be sat here kind of thinking, we know what, Vardy's got Arsenal next, who he scores against pretty much every time. He always scores against us. Um, and then he's got Leeds, so he's worth keeping hold of. Um, yeah. And then you'd be thinking what you said earlier on, Matthew, about kind of just keeping those either that money either spread around or keep that money either in the bank. Um, it, it's very kind of outcome dependent, I, I guess, when it comes to that. And it's kind of like you're living hand to mouth in, in some ways because you've got all this money kind of sloshing around. So you can do whatever you want in a lot of ways, which we spoke about earlier on in the fine margin sort of section. Um, I guess Kane and Son will from game week kind of 
uh, after the international break, that's for sure come onto everyone's radar because of that Leeds game from the start, if obviously the players are still looking a little bit dodgy, um, that's going to be kind of high on everybody's sort of list. Um, but I mean, they've got Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich between game week 12 and game week 15. Three or four of them are home. So you'd be looking at that and thinking there's fixtures, um, but equally, um, as Anthony said earlier, you know, the, 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 under Nuno, it's not really quite come together yet. I think that's definitely true as well from what you read in The Athletic about um, you know, the likes of Jack, Pig, Jack Pittsbrook um, talking about how there's a lack of fluency right now. It definitely feels like we're in a bit of a transitional period. As Rubes said earlier, the season's kind of strange. And I think that we're definitely in the case where maybe having that money in the bank, like you'd be advocating um, just ready to go to the next investment, which is uh, looking like it's a bit of a goer, um, could be a good way of looking at it. I mean, Anthony, what do you reckon to all this? See, I'm coming at this from a slightly compromised position in that, I guess, when faced with this question a little bit, did I have the cojones to keep money in the bank? The answer was no. And I put it into Mane instead, hoping to kind of, you know, get the points and put it on the big player. So with, take maybe what I'm saying here with the pinch of salt or maybe with just maybe I just I'll just sound like sour grapes when I'm saying that yeah this season has been strange but if there is is there a point in bringing Mr. Partner Salah it it didn't feel like it this weekend it really didn't well, that, that was unlucky that was unlucky to be fair with Manly no, no one uh, saw yeah. that yeah and, and it is a bit, a bit like what people maybe have said about the Havertz thing is that you know if, if he had played you'd have expected him to probably get something in that game but uh, that's not the way it worked out in the end unfortunately so is there any point in a premium to partner sell? It doesn't feel like it right now. Um, but the, as Matthew was getting at, really, you know, it, it it never seems far away that the next one will be there again. Flexibility is key, I guess, in a lot of ways. That as Matthew said earlier on, it's all about kind of being able to move to remove those sort of uh, risks to your rank overall in an FPL sense. And mm-hmm. I think that that probably is uh, something that permeates how we deal with the premiums for now. Um, I do think that Kane and Son from Game Week 12 is going to be okay. Uh, but as Emma said, the team looks a bit lacklustre. Um, so yeah. uh, I'd be sharing anybody who doesn't own them cynicism, scepticism about jumping on the likes of Son and Kane right now. <laughs> right, let's move on to the final bit this week. Totally elfed off. You'll see why I said this in a second. Um, uh, but basically, uh, our friend, uh, FPL Elf, uh, uh, mate Dave, uh, said, uh, how do you avoid going on tilt after a disastrous game week? Wow. Hello, mate. Welcome to the club. <laughs> the sinking ship club. The Titanic is sinking. We're moving deck chairs around. We're playing our bloody harmonicas. But no, it's, it, we're definitely not getting on those escape boats, are we? Um, uh, but he said it's so easy to want to immediately look to a differential punt to help pull that lost ground. You know, what do we do? FPL Pricey Sam, he did. A, he has actually a really good game week. He got 104 points this week. Um, but he says, you know, how do we stay neutral slash balance in our views after such a volatile game week? in order to prevent outcome bias. Could you, could you reference that? You know what you're talking about. Uh, creeping into our thoughts by overly relying on the results of one particular week. Um, outcome bias is obviously the idea um, that you take the outcome uh, to judge how good the thought process was. Um, I replied to Plonker about this earlier. Uh, in terms of the kind of the psychological side of it, I suppose. But yeah, the reality is that FPL doesn't care about you. 
social media doesn't care about you you care about you so if you had a bad week you know just 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 to have the moments yourself i'm really really as i said earlier on rarely emotionally affected by fpl but as you can tell by tonight's pod i've been really messed up by this week and it's, it's a little bit difficult but uniquely for me i need to do a podcast um and i guess it's actually fairly therapeutic because now i feel a lot better um but if and a few people would say, you know, if there was an option to not do the pod tonight, would you kind of just say, nah, don't do it? Um, but I, I don't think I've done that, to be honest. I think I'd have been on here regardless. I think it's probably the same for you, Anthony, as well, after that game week kind of uh, free disaster. Because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of integral to the process now for us, isn't it? Just to kind of just kind of come on, talk about it. And you kind of get out of the system for doing this. Yeah, and I think it kind of sets you up for the next week too. I don't think if I had been well enough to be on the podcast last week, I don't think there's a world where I got Jesus and Nani. <laughs> Genuinely, it's it's funny. Uh, it's, it's my brilliant. It's my brilliant advice, though, Anthony. That's the reality. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, it's my it's my company that's keep you kept you on here this evening. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it, look when you have a tough game, we get some fortunate. You just have to suck it up. And yeah, being involved in a podcast means that you've got this kind of unique way of. Um, uh, long couching your way through it a little bit but and you, how do you stop yourself going for a differential you just don't do it <laughs> just don't do the punt don't do the silly thing don't dig the hole any deeper than it is um uh, but that's really easy to say like i actually found that after the game week three catastrophe if i remember correctly i decided to do no transfer i did not carry through my plan and i ended up having a bad game week four as a consequence that i was like I just tried to just stop myself tinkering and actually burnt myself even further. Like I just think I was like my my fingers got burnt and then I ended up just sticking my palm down onto the grill and onto as well. It didn't really help at all. So like me here with one hand and one burnt um metaphorically, I'm not sure if I'm in the best position to say. Um it's very tough. It is just really tough and you just have to distance yourself from FPL to stop yourself getting tilted by it. Matthew, have have you ever had a bad um... week? Yeah, I've had loads of bad weeks, yeah. <laughs> so uh, sort of a, a few things come to mind looking at this question. So the first one is, you know, because I've seen a, f- a few comments this week about, you know, FPL, you know, negatively affecting people's mental health and things like that. I think the first thing to always remember is, it, is it's just a game at the end of the day. You know, it doesn't really matter if you have a bad game week. It's just a game. You know, I think, you know, sometimes I think people, you know, get so negatively impacted in it you know maybe find another hobby honestly you know it, you know there's just i mean i i we've had in our family sort of um you know actual health issues you know the last few years i know tom you've in the past had your own health issues and i think things like that make you just see that um you know there's there's more important things in life to worry about in life than, than yeah, fpl yeah. at the end yeah. of the day so that's the first thing i'd say um in terms of, um, but then, you know, going on tilt and, and being, is you just need to like, you know, to use an economics term, it, you know, what's happened this week is a sunk cost. That's happened. You've just got to forget about it and just look at your team objectively. How does it look now? You know, so, for example, you've got Havertz. There's no point, you know, rage raging him out because you, you look at him, he's still got two good fixtures coming out. All right, if he now gets benched, you know, maybe the week after you take him out, but you know, you could still get a lot of points the next couple of weeks. Um, and just, yeah, just try and forget what's happened. Forget that you've, you know, especially um, getting the wrong captaincy, because that actually means you've still got that, you know, you've got Salah. You just, for some reason, didn't captain him. You know, so that 
whether you're captain or not has nothing to do got nothing to do with this week, you know, because you can now captain him or not kind of thing. So yeah, just um, just look at it um, objectively and try and forget what's just happened, which I know is easier said than done, like a lot of these things. But I want you to be we're, my all, dad, we're all like, human. Can you be, can you be my dad? And just tell me these things. My dad was having to yeah. s- just go away. That you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. I, I think it's one of those things where, obviously, uh, the more distance you put between yourself and the event, things get better. And I, as I said to my girlfriend today, my girlfriend was like, "Just, just stop playing effing FPL if this is making you feel this way." And I was just like, "I'll be fine tomorrow." It's just one of those things. Um, where you've got a little bit of a reaction to it, and uh, yeah. to be honest, like most weeks, there is I've got no reaction whatsoever. Like you know, I'll laugh it off; it'll be fine. Like, I'll get to that point where I just laugh at the variance. It's just because of how you know, brutal this week was that it can definitely kind of be one of those where you're kind of just like, oh, really? I think it's just because the difference in you and me, Matthew, is that you know you won't make that kind of gamble. And it's definitely something which has served you really well. Uh, for me, it probably used to serve me very well. Um, but you know, likes of me, likes of the people like Late Riser as well, like that kind of uh, chasing the dragon sort of thing is kind of the reality <laughs> yeah. of how we play this game. Yeah. And over the last few years, it's just not worked for me. We have that like tips of the week, don't we? Um, on on Twitter, and mine, I think yeah. mine this week was don't overthink. Cap- don't yeah, overthink. Well, mine captaincy. was don't make don't make moves. <laughs> You know, yeah, and, yeah, and, and doing, doing nothing is okay, yeah, yeah, and um, I, you know, that was before the Lukaku injury. And, and I guess, you know, if you are kind of having a bad time, the reality is like, you know, Twitter doesn't care about you, frankly, or socials don't care about you, your no. group chat doesn't care about you on WhatsApp if that's kind of how your environment. So I think that you know, I mean, the reality so, is sometimes it, you might you might be better off not, not looking at Twitter, but again, exactly, I know that's exactly, difficult you know. because it like something draws you know it's like i don't know masochism yeah it's almost like these social media platforms are made to addict us yeah, yeah it's, it's emotional vampirism isn't it but the reality is yeah it's masochism the, the best things to do as we've all said is don't make any raise transfers don't make any rash moves take time take a breath let, let yourself calm down absorb it stay off socials you're going to see everything through the prism of failure and frustration yeah and, and you'll see it, all 100, 100 point game weeks yeah exactly in your case it's fine <laughs> i think no one else is going to be able to see it through the prism of failure that you will the reality is that it's just fpl you need to get over it you will go over it but i mean there are some game weeks other game weeks where it is a little bit it is a little bit annoying <laughs> just to say the least um but i mean reality is that yeah you, you've got to just kind of stick with the plan stick with your process stick with whatever um we all get them and we've all kind of been asked questions about why you know my hand done too well this week and you know people will say this is my team what do you think about about my team well your team could have scored very very well if we quit and reloaded the save and football manager yeah that's pretty much my team this week Right, let's move on to the transfers and captains. Um, Matthew, you already mentioned um, earlier on that you're looking at getting Tony in. Obviously, there's a lot of, yeah. kind of uh, questions surrounding players this week. You've got Rafinha, you've got Vardy, and like me, you've got Dennis for bench because um, he's suspended this week. I mean, uh, how are you looking in terms of what you're doing this week? Well, like normally at this point, I'll have you know a fairly good idea what I'm thinking of doing. 
but this week because obviously there's you know there's a, a, a few doubts in the in my team there so Rafinha you know I I think he'll probably be out but we don't know Vardy I I'd say he'll probably be okay but again we don't know Dennis is definitely out and and then I've got um like sort of uh, Ben Rama who's looking a bit stale Saar getting a bit that way as well so I've got Oh, and Christensen, you know, he seems to be the worst Chelsea defenders have. So I've kind of got a few moves that I'm thinking about, and I honestly don't know which way I'm going. So I've got uh, if Vardy's out, they're kind of all ifs and, you know, what ifs kind of thing. So if Vardy's out, I, I'll probably do him to Tony. I think that would probably be fairly straightforward. Uh, if Vardy may be okay, but Rafinha was definitely out, then I would maybe take him out and then for him I've got like three different options that I'm thinking of so Mbwemo again if he's fit I know we talked about him earlier possibly Emil uh, Smith-Rowe as an alternative in a similar price bracket good value um, seems to get his, his shooting boots a bit more and or Diego Jossa who's another one of those folding type of high upside with, with some risks but again I think my squad can probably just about take that Possibly, yeah. Another one I'm thinking of is Christensen out for uh, Chilwell. That would probably be if Vardy and Rafinha are both okay. <laughs> Tempted to do that for a hit, possibly, but I don't know whether I would in practice. Um, or the final one I've got is possibly again if most people are okay, I could take out Dennis, who you know just got me 12, 12 points on my bench. But I could either get Tony or Huang uh, for him. So. Hang's more of a, a like for like type of thing, and Tony's a bit more. But I do quite want to get a Brentford attacker in. Oh, so, fair play, fair play. So I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's fine on the on the Monday night to not know. And and, and and in the always captain salad brigade, yeah, yeah. I again not going to overthink that one. Not yep. Uh, yeah, understandable. Uh, so like you, I'll be captaining Salah with, in my own team. Now, a bit like you, I have a little bit of a wait and see and that I am going to wait and see what's going on with Rafinha. Even if there's a, like a chance that, you know, they said, you know, it's a, a late assessment, you're not going to get rid of him. Are you? This is it. Yeah, it's a Sunday fixture as well. Being And it's obviously, as we say, it's yeah. a way to Norwich. Just, it just means you'll give him every last chance you can, especially, thankfully, it's a Saturday deadline. Uh, if it isn't Rafinha who goes... Goodness, what do I do? Like, I did keep 2.5 million in my bank. It's not enough for me to upgrade any of my non-premium defenders. So those being White, Cody, or Livramento to Alexander-Arnold, who's now 7.6. So I'm kind of, if I want to get Alexander-Arnold in, it's kind of, it's a multi-week process or something that requires a hit. So I think it's going to be someone in the midfield who would make way, if it wasn't Rafinha, probably to get in Foden. Uh, that's where I'm kind of feeling right now. Now, the people who be on the chopping block, Rafinha, aforementioned, um, Manny, who I've obviously just brought in, but I'm just annoyed with, or uh, Bakayo Saka, who, much as I love him as a player, and much as he is a brilliant player, and much as he seems to continue to get the underlying numbers, he's just not doing it. And he's had three game weeks now in my side. Uh, they've been pockmarked with all shades of disappointment so I'm kind of tempted do I give him one last week away to Leicester it'd be kind of typical in the slightly more difficult picture he uh, finds himself scoring uh, it would be rather typical but um, I'm not sure uh, he is the one most tempted to go I'm going to continue with faith anyway for another week in that forward line of Tony Jesus and Antonio I'll start them in a 3-4-3 um, purely because um, they have all got good fixtures There's, I got Jesus in for um 
not just for Christmas um, fits with him more than most. So he's uh, he's sticking around for at least another game week uh, with that Palace game at home. But I would love to be doubled or tripled up actually on City in the case of having Cancelo as well. But goodness knows if he'll even play. Uh, Captain Salah, not going to overcomplicate it. There is no point overcomplicating it. See, so t- so, so taking Mane out is one of those ones, like difficult transfers, like I was talking about earlier, where you know, especially now he's had a rest, he was unlikely to get. This, this you know, is it, like, so if he, he, that could blow in your face every day of the week, couldn't it? It could, yeah. The, the, the thing is that Mane is one of those players who conceivably he could be the highest scoring player in the game week next week. You know, like there aren't many people you'll yeah. sell that could do that yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah. Um, and I, that's I, I, really I, terrifying. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, but yeah, so it's. Uh, <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll have, I'll have a whole week of thinking about it, basically. Regardless, much like Pontius Pilate, you'll be hoping to see Jesus at the end of the cross. Anyway, oh, uh, let's move on to uh, my team, and, which is a rising, rising again three minutes later and heading yeah. in another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've, I've got Mbwemo, I've got Vardy, I've got Rafinha, who are all injured. Um, I'm not really sure. Obviously, I'll keep Rafinha until the very end and I'll play him if it's all all right. Um, yeah. I, I really like to roll it this week for obvious reasons, um, just because I think... But also, I hear what Anthony was saying, and I had noted here, actually, that after a bad game week four, he just thought, you know, screw it. I'm going to leave it and carry it through. Like, if there are kind of things to change, I'm not going to be shy about changing them. And I didn't think Ben Rahm... I said last week, Ben Rahm was really against Everson. He was not as good um, uh, over the last game against Spurs so maybe he could be the one to be lo- looking at removing I mean there's loads of information I need um, effectively I mean this week was going to be the week where I got rid of Guaitar um, I think when the basically just had another two pointer off him and just be done with it and I'm pretty sure that you know Christensen as the quest so my choice defenders are probably going to be playing this week at Newcastle um, or yeah, it is what it is um, Cancelo Trent yeah fine yeah, midfield, uh, Ben Ramos, I said, uh, well, away against Aston Villa, I think that his race is run in FPL terms, but he could be doing it. Uh, in Buemo, uh, the Rafinha, race should never have started. Yeah. Not that we ever got to this point, but anyway. I know, it's very silly. Have you, have you got any money in the bank, so? I've got like 0.3. I mean, okay, oh, right. I, I, I upgraded a Trossard to yeah. Havertz. I think Havertz this week again is a decent option. Like, I, I, I was, I was just wondering, the only reason I'm asking, I was just wondering whether you were tempted to get in one of the more exciting Chelsea defenders, but no, you know, no, no. Christensen I, 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 would be the one, I suppose. But uh, I, I think it's one of them, isn't it? Where if, if Vardy has to go, um, so I've got Vardy and Antonio, I've got Dennis who's on the bench, who's suspended this week but whatever I think yeah. he's going to stay there if Vardy yeah. has to go then I'll remove him probably freaking that show to be honest because from game 12 on, onwards they've got a very nice run um, and so maybe that would be Christensen to Chilwell or something like that it, it's all dependent at this point I can't yeah. give any kind of recommendation about no, what no. I'm going to be doing I've, there's no solidity about what I'm going to be doing uh, so there we go um, to be honest I just want to kind of have a few days away from FPL <laughs> I'll come back to it on Thursday or Friday full of gusto uh, but for now it's just one of those where I am just like yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't want to be touching this anymore. That's, that probably is it, isn't Anthony? 
It is, yeah. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening and watching. If you were on the YouTube, we were Who Got the Assist. Please leave us a five-star review if you liked what you heard. And if you do want to see us on YouTube rather than hearing us in your ears on whatever podcast app you do listen to us on, then go to YouTube and search Who Got the Assist or WGTA for that matter, and you will find the unedited videos of the pod there. If you would like to join the mini league, then 2IP43T is the code that you'll need. Thanks so much for coming on, Matthew. It's an absolute pleasure and good to have somebody with uh, a measured head and plenty of FPL experience to guide myself and Tom through this in a week where I think both of us had very itchy fingers. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, guys. Thank you very much for coming on, Matthew. I think your uh, visit uh, to us was uh, very well timed in terms of just providing that sort of paternal guidance <laughs> towards what we probably need to be doing. Like, you know what, guys, you're both a bit rubbish, but no, this is probably better for you if you do that. Yeah. Good, good data analysis, but maybe actually playing the game, uh, given how you've been doing, this is what we need to be doing. Anyway, um, we hope we just you think about the fine margins in FPL and think about all these other things which are currently affecting the game. We'll be back next week. Uh, probably talk about 200 Club Stag. Finally get that podcast that we meant to do last week uh, in next week uh, with Mo Salah above the 100-point mark. But nonetheless, hope to see you. I'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Oh, wait. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.